0: And hopefully you've enjoyed this series, picked up something new and interesting. Again, how many of you have enjoyed, picked something up from the series of Esther? Uh, this is a good book. It's simple, it's historical, but it still shows God's hand. And again, God's hand is showed tonight. I preach in series because it keeps me out of trouble, but I believe that the Lord can guide me and tell me in advance what I'm supposed to preach. It doesn't have to be the day before or the minute before. He could show me literally months in advance what I'm supposed to preach and when. God's the God of all time. And this message tonight is a Thanksgiving message found in the book of Esther. I didn't have to line it up. God lined it up for me. He's a good God. And He knows how to set things in order. And He knows what we need when we need it. And hopefully you found your way to the book of Esther, chapter number 8. The book of Esther in chapter number 8. And let's start on verse number 1. The book of Esther, chapter number 8, verse number 1. "'On that day did King Hacerus give the house of Haman, the Jew's enemy, to Esther the queen. And Mordecai came before the king, for Esther had told what he was unto her.' And the king took off his ring which he had taken from Haman, and gave it unto Mordecai. And Esther set Mordecai over the house of Haman. And Esther spoke yet again before the king, and fell down at his feet, and besought him with tears to put away the mischief of Haman the Agite, and his device that he had devised against the Jews. Then the king held out the golden scepter towards Esther. So Esther arose and stood before the king and said, If it please the king, and if I have found favor in his sight, and the things seem right before the king, and I be pleasing in his eyes, let it be written to reverse the letters devised by Haman, the son of Hammedatha the Agite, which he wrote to destroy the Jews which are in the king's provinces." For how can I endure to see the evil that shall come upon my, unto my people? Or how can I endure to see the destruction of my kindred? Then King Ahasuerus said unto Esther the queen and to Mordecai the Jew, Behold, I have given Esther to the house of Haman, and him they have hanged upon the gallows, because he laid his hand upon the Jews. Write ye also for the Jews as it liketh you, and the king's name, and seal it with the king's ring. For the writing which is written is in the king's name, and sealed in the king's ring, may no man reverse... Then when the king's scribes called on that time in the third month, that is in the month of Sivan... On the, third, on the three and twentieth day thereof, and it was written according to all that Mordecai commanded upon the Jews and to the lieutenants and to the deputies and the rulers of the provinces, which are from India unto Ethiopia, a hundred and twenty-seven provinces, and unto every province according to the writing thereof, and unto every people after their language, and unto the Jews according to their writing, according to their language. And he wrote in the... In the king Ahasuerus' name, and sealed it with the king's ring, and sent letters by post on horseback, and riders on mules, and camels, and young dromedaries. And when the king granted the Jews, which were in every city, to gather themselves together, And to stand for their life, to destroy, to slay, and to cause perish all the power of the people in the province that would assault them, both little ones and women, and to take the spoil of them for prey. Upon one day in all the provinces of the king Ahasuerus, namely upon the thirteenth day of the twelfth month, which is in the month of Adar. The copy of the writing for a commandment to be given in every province was published in all the people that the Jews shall be ready against that day to avenge themselves on their enemies. So the posts that ride upon mules and camels went out being hastened and pressed on by the king's commandment and the decree was given at Shushan the palace. And Mordecai went out from the presence of the king in royal apparel of blue and white, and a great crown of gold, and a garment of fine linen and purple. And the city of Shushan rejoiced and was glad. The Jews had light light. And gladness and joy and honor. And in every province, in every city, whithersoever the king's commandment, his decree came, the Jews had joy and gladness, a feast and a good day. And many of the people of the land became Jews, for the fear of the Jews fell upon them. And if you're in the habit of marking things in your Bible, I'd like for you to mark a phrase found in verse 17. Esther chapter 8, verse 17. The Jews had joy and gladness, a feast and a good day. The Jews had joy and gladness, a feast and a good day. And with the Lord's help, I'd like to preach to you a thankful people. A thankful people. Let's go to the Lord together and let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, thank you again for you being a magnificent, mighty, mighty, Powerful God. And Lord, I'm just asking as we open up the Word of God that we can once again see your might, your power, your glory, your honor, and that we too would desire in our heart to be a thankful people, to be thankful for your provisions, for your grace, for your watch care. For those times that seem to be the blackest night, we understand that you're there working to make the brightest day. Lord, we Encourage people's hearts tonight. Let them just be more convinced than ever that the God that we serve is a real God, a God who's sitting on the throne, a God who's got everything well in hand. And in Jesus' name we pray, amen. amen. As we approach Esther chapter 8, I would like to first of all show you the enemy removed. The enemy removed. Now remember, in the previous several chapters, we had a man named Haman. Haman was the Jews' enemy. Because he hated the Jews so much, he hated a man named Mordecai to start off with because he had bitterness towards Mordecai. To his mind, Mordecai had done him wrong. And because he did not forgive Mordecai, that bitterness worked in his heart and built up. And it went in stages until finally he just wanted to kill the whole entire race of Jewish people. And so he sent out a proclamation all throughout the land that we're going to have official kill the Jew day. They had it set up. It was in the books. It was set up as law. And all the kingdom, the Jewish people feared for their lives and were sorrow and mourning. What can we do? What can, What's going to happen? Are we going to be wiped out? Is this the end? We understand that Haman had a pacific hatred towards Mordecai. And because of the bitterness in his heart, he had desired to hang Mordecai from the gallows. But we saw previously how God switched the tables. And now, instead of Mordecai hanging from the gallows, it was Haman himself being strung up by his neck. He is gone. And you know what the king did? Is he gave everything that was Haman's, his titles, his lands, his prestige, his honor, and he gave it to Mordecai the Jew. Now, instead of Haman being the most powerful man underneath the king himself, Mordecai was the most powerful man beside the king himself. God had switched things around. Someone else is in charge. Haman is dead. The enemy has been removed. But it goes beyond that in Esther chapter 8. Not only was the enemy removed, but the law was reversed. The law was reversed. Now, you have to understand, look with me if you wouldn't mind, in verse 8. It says, Write ye also for the Jews as it liketh you, and the king's name, and seal it with the king's ring. For the writing which is written in the king's name, and sealed with the king's ring, may no man reverse. This is also echoed in the book of Daniel chapter 6. You don't have to turn there. For the sake of time, I'll just read it for you. But in Daniel chapter 6, you might remember Daniel chapter 6 is the story of Daniel in the lion's den. Remember they had passed a law that anybody who who prayed to any other god other than the king of Persia, the king of Persians were were thought of to be gods. And so on Daniel's time when the Persians were, were in charge... Darius, Darius was in charge uh, of Babylon. He was considered the the king of Babylon. He was in charge of that city, and he was considered a god. And so, whenever a god gives down a law, it can't be reversed because a law spoke it. If the law could be reversed, then. Then that God made a mistake. And they cannot admit that their gods made a mistake. You understand how the law is working now? And Daniel chapter 6 and verse 15, it says, Then these men assembled to the king and said unto him, Know, O king, that the law of the Medes and Persians is, that no decree or statute which the king established may be changed. Now they have a problem. Let's go back to Esther's time. Remember, the law cannot be changed. The law is in effect that on such and such a day is official, kill the Jew day. The law said that if you saw a Jewish person... Under the law, you could kill anyone you see. In fact, the law says you're supposed to kill. But in order to entice them more, they were also supposed, they allowed to take the Jews' land. On the day official killed the Judea, you kill a Jewish person, you could take their land, you could take their goats, their cows, their possessions, everything. You could spoil them. Take everything from them. That's what the law said. Now remember, the law cannot be changed. You can't go off and say, oh, never mind, my bad. Made a mistake, it got appealed. Supreme Court said, no, it wasn't work, it's not unconstitutional. The law was set. There is no changing the law. So they had to have a rework. Now, Esther asked the king again. Now, this time, she went before the king. She was not beckoned, but the king lowered her, uh, the golden scepter. It wasn't a big time thing. She knew God was working, so they went and got permission to change the law. Uh, they couldn't actually change the law but they could actually write another law and so the new law went like this Yes, I know that there's official kill the Jew day. And for months, these people have been scouting out the Jewish people, been looking at them and say, oh, this is what they got. They got so-and-so chickens. This is how many cattle they got. Oh, I can't wait. I'm going to get all this stuff and it's going to be mine. And the Jewish people knew that people were taking inventory, maybe nudging them. Hey, a couple more days, I could kill you. couple more days, all your stuff is mine. Don't worry about it. The Jews knew who their enemies were. They knew who was looking. The law, new law that Mordecai said, yes, we know official kill the Judais on the books, but we're by the authorization of the king allowing the Jewish people to kill anyone that they think is their enemy and they can take your stuff. Hey, that's a good law. Hey, the law says that anyone can kill the Jews, but at the same time, the Jews can go back and kill anybody beforehand that they think is going to come and kill them. Alright, and you can take all their stuff. So the Jews, when they heard this law, they went, woohoo! And so they said, hey, <laughs> you remember how you've been bugging me for months, how you're going to take my stuff? Guess what? A couple more days, I'm going to take your stuff. I mean, the law's reversed, right? Fair play is fair play. You know, that gave so much more relief to the Jewish people. So they didn't just replace the law. They changed the law. They reworded. They kind of put a new law in effect. And now the Jews, even though it was still official kill the Jew day. It was also official Jew revenge day. And the Jewish people were able to defend themselves. They were able to go and, and to slaughter. Now, next chapter we're actually going to cover what happens. This is just the law right now. But you know how much relief it gave to those people? We saw the enemy removed. We saw the law reversed. But we also see the Jews rejoiced. The Jews rejoiced. I want you to think back. You're in a backwater town in the middle of the Persian Empire. Several months ago, you had a writer coming in. Important news from the king! Important news from the king! And everybody would go to read it. You know, it's not that often you get that something very important from the king. They would all gather around and read, the official kill the Jude and the Jewish people in their hearts saying, How horrible. How horrible. The Bible says all throughout the kingdom they were fasting and praying and saying, God, why are you doing this? God, what are you going to do? God, this is horrible. You've got to do something. Please deliver us. Deliver us. But can you almost imagine how hopeless they felt? This came from the king. Who's going to reverse the king? What are they going to do? What's going to happen? There is no hope. There is no way out. There's nothing they could do. They're helpless. They're stuck. After several months of people being rude to you and telling them that they're going to kill you, telling them they're going to take your stuff and that they have every legal right to do it, after months of being harassed, finally a writer comes and says, News from the king! News from the king! And now they read, they all gather around and see a brand new proclamation. The Jew. official Jewish revenge day. <laughs> the Jewish people had an official right to kill anyone that hated them. Can you imagine the relief they felt? They were no longer in danger. There was now relief. There was relief. Let's look at the end of Esther chapter 8. And I want to show you something. I'm trying to abbreviate this because I told my wife I was going to preach a short message and she laughed at me. But I want to try to bring it down to a specific point. Look with me in Esther chapter 8 verse 15. It says in Esther chapter 8 and verse 15, And Mordecai went out from the presence of the king in royal apparel and blue and white, and a crown of gold, and the garment of fine linen and purple. And the city of Shushan rejoiced and was glad. Now Mordecai was a visual picture of what the Jewish people felt like. You know, a couple hours before, everyone in town knew that Mordecai was a dead man knew that the gallows were being built for him. And a couple hours later, he's dressed in royal apparel. He is protected. He's got the king's crown. He's got the king's robes on. He's walking out regal and royal, protected. He was walking in as a prisoner, as a dead man, as someone who's getting ready to be executed. And he walks out and royal ray. This is a visible picture of how the Jewish people felt. Just hours before, they were all condemned to die. And now they are royally protected and sealed. And it said the whole city rejoiced. Woohoo! there's relief. Verse 16, And the Jews had light. And gladness and joy and honor. I mean, there was so much relief there. Verse 17. And in every province and every city, whithersoever the king's commandment and his decree came, the Jews had joy and gladness, a feast and a good day. We could see the beginnings of a holiday that's actually going to be established in the next chapter But they had relief. And you know what they did? They took time to celebrate and to thank God. Because it was God that did it. They set aside a time where we're going to get together and we're going to be thankful. Hey, it sounds like Thanksgiving. Hey, I didn't line up this message. God lined it up. But they had a Thanksgiving. They had a feast. They had joy. They had gladness. A good day. Wow, what a God. Can you believe God did this? I can't believe God did this. Oh, we knew that we were doomed. I was thinking about hiding in a cave. I was already getting ready to sell my land. I didn't know what I was going to do. I haven't slept in weeks. I've been so worried about it, worried about my family. But now we have a good God and He's protected us and He's given relief. Oh, wow. And they took time to thank God. But notice what else happened. And many of the people of the land became Jews, for the fear of the Jews fell upon them. You know, a couple of days before that, they would say, there's no way I'd become a Jewish person. There's no way I'd be associated with one of them. For the last several months, you saw them people trying to squirt away. How come you don't come over to my house no more, where you're a Jewish person, and I don't want them to confuse me. I don't want them to take my stuff. Now, the people are like, the Jews are going to kill me. I'm a Jewish now. Hey, I'm going to go to your synagogues. I'm going to your church. Hey, teach me. I'll wear that little hat. I'll, I'll just, you tell me the laws. I'll obey it. People converted over. People actually switched religions. And they were here. God did something. He had set this up to bring people to Himself. You see, People said, why would God bring these Jewish people? Why would He make them go for this horrible time? Because God is trying to bring people to Himself. And because the Jewish people were thankful, because the law had changed, because there was a fear of an Almighty God and a fear of these people, they said, you know what? We want to become one of you now. I want you to turn to me in a book in Psalm. Psalm 126. Psalm 126. Usually we quote the last two verses in association of soul winning. But the first couple of verses are also important in the regards of thanksgiving and soul winning. Psalm 126. As I was studying for this message, I read this and I read this probably like the way that you read this and kind of skimmed over it. But I had stopped and actually took my time and it popped out at me. This is something amazing. Psalm 126, starting at verse 1. Psalm 126, Psalm 126, verse 1. When the Lord turned again the captivity of Zion, we were like them that dream. Then was our mouth filled with laughter, and our tongue was singing. And they said, they among the heathen, the Lord had done great things for them. It says when the Lord turned again their captivity, they were as though they were like those that dream. They said, when God delivered us, It said it was like a dream. I didn't imagine it was going to happen. It seems so surreal that God has actually delivered us. That God has given us relief. It's just not real. It's almost like a dream. And then, notice what they did. Then their mouth was filled with laughter. And their tongue was singing. By the way, singing is how the Bible says we're supposed to show thanksgiving. When we sing, we're actually telling God what a good God it is. That's why we should sing with our best, because that's how we're actually telling God. The book of Hebrews talks about it. The book of Psalms talk about it all throughout the Bible. That this is the fruit of our lips, our singing. And it pleases God. It really shows that we're a thankful people when we sing. That's for free. But our mouth was filled with laughter and our tongue was singing. Now notice this. If you read it fast, you may miss it. Then said they... Notice that word they. Then said they among the heathen. It is not the Jewish people who are fixing to say this next statement. It's the heathen that are saying this next statement. Then said they among the heathen, the Lord had done great things for them. Why did the heathen say God has done great things for them? Because they heard their singing... They heard their rejoicing. They heard their laughter. They heard their thanksgiving. Because God's people became a thankful people. And they were saying, God, you're so good. You're so great. Look at how you delivered us. The heathen people. The non-saved people. The Gentile people said, wow. Look at what God did for them. Look at what God did for them. You know, the world is watching and they want to see a God who is real. Yes. They want to see a God who hears and answers prayer. And we need to be such a thankful people that we're saying, look at what my God did for me. Amen. Our pe- People are searching for a God who will answer prayers. You know, back in the old days, in the, in the ancient world, people would look back and they would make an idol and, and they said, we know it can't speak, but... Oh, this water bottle, that's my God. Because they're trying to find something. They said, I know he doesn't speak, I know he doesn't move, but I'm looking for something that will speak and something that will move, something that will answer my prayers. And so when the Jewish people said, hey, my God answers prayers. Really? Let me see. Okay, God. And then he'd answer their prayers. They said, wow, that God's real. My God's not. You know, we may not have things out of idols today, but we still have idols today. We have dead gods who cannot answer prayers, and people are still worshiping and bowing down and depending upon those dead gods who cannot hear, who cannot say, who cannot speak. It may be the God of the television, may be the God of drink, of alcohol. Maybe the drink uh, uh, a god of something else, a god of work, a god of something, and they're they're putting and they're investing and they're they're bowing down at that idol, and it can't speak, it can't help them, it cannot answer prayers. We have a living God. Do people know around you? Can they say, "Wow, he keeps answering their prayers"? I meant just prayer after prayer after prayer. Charles Finney was a was a. Amazing evangelist of yesteryear. He had some theological problems, yes, but he was a lawyer, and he, there was a little church down the corner, and they would go up to him all the time. We're praying for you, Mister Finney. We're praying for you. We're praying for a revival. We're praying for you to get saved. And he he watched this church for years, and after a while, he said, "Stop praying for me. God doesn't answer your prayers. I don't want you're wasting your time. Don't even bother praying for me because God doesn't answer your prayers." You know, because of the bad testimony of this church, because they did not know how to get a hold of God, because they were not thankful for when God did answer prayers and just make a big deal. You know what's a big deal when God answers prayers? And we need to make it a big deal. We need to act like it's a big deal. We need to become a thankful people. Charles Finney did get saved, but he did it because he was a lawyer, and he said, well, I'm going to test the law. Let me take the Bible myself, and he read it for himself. When he got saved, he went back to that church and said, the Bible has something that you don't have. This Bible changes lives and answers prayers. Your prayer life, whatever is dead, I mean, that's a poor testimony of a church, isn't it? People are looking for an actual God who hears and answers prayers. And when God's people are thankful, and we are a thankful people, and we give thanks to God, it shows a lost and dying world. We have something worth trusting to. You know, we need to get back in using biblical language. There's sometimes people say, well, I'm proud of you. Pride is never a good thing in the Bible. It is never used if you can, break yourself of saying, I'm proud of you. Instead, say, I'm thankful to the Lord for you. Man, I'm so thankful, Lord Zebby. I'm so thankful, Lord, for you that you did well in school. Isn't that a better way than saying, I'm proud of you? We need to be a thankful people. We need to show our thankfulness. Because a lost and dying world needs to see a God who's real. Now, this is what happened. God heard and answered these Jewish people's prayers. And when they answered the prayers, they made a big holler and big whoop to do, And the, the people around were afraid of the Jewish people. What's going to happen? Are they going to kill me now? Well, they're switching over. Now, we understand the history and some of those conversions were not true. But there's a principle that we could draw here and that the Bible repeats. As we're a thankful people... The lost and dying world will see a true and living God. But we have to be a thankful people. A thankful people. Thank you for listening to this audio message. This is Pastor Scotty Bockhaus. And I encourage you to take this information that you just received and make a specific decision to follow after the Lord. If you don't know Jesus Christ as your Savior, let me beg you to take the time to receive Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins. If you are saved, I encourage you to make a decision in your life to help you get closer to with the Lord. If there's anything specific we can do to be a blessing or to pray for you, we encourage you, look us up on the internet at riverviewbc.com. Once again, that's riverviewbc.com. Or if you would prefer to call us, you can give us a call at area code 920-530-6308. Once again, that number is 920 530 6308 if there's anything we can do to be a blessing or an encouragement to you please let us know we would love to make ourselves available thank you